their second year in existence have won an MLS Cup. Oh, Three, two, one. Bachelor Final JCM Jones from Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. I almost said 92.9 the game. I'm oh. not from there. Joe Patrick is from there and he is over there. Joe, how we doing, man? How we doing after a uh, after running and sweating in the Florida heat for, for 90 <laughs> minutes? Yeah, I, I love Joseph yes, last, uh, yesterday after the game. He was like, it was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> You can see they were dying a little bit. It's it was only like eighty two. I kind of like yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of have to dunk on them a little bit for that. It wasn't the that bad, guys. Feels Come like on. the feels like temp. The feels like temp was uh. Nah, I don't know. It was ninety. Ninety. It was ninety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, maybe maybe not enough to to fully blame everything on on the the heat there, but uh, maybe we'll give them a pass a little bit, a little bit. We'll talk more about Atlanta United's one one draw with Inter Miami here in a second, but wanted to let you guys know that we have a show coming up for you soon that we're we're pretty excited about. Planning on talking with Anton Walks later this week. That is for patrons. You can go ahead and check out our patreon over at patreon.com slash five stripe final and we'll have that interview with anton plus much much more coming to you throughout the week as we get ready for the first 100 capacity game at mercedes-benz since oh my Ooh, god the nick DeLeon game oh my god yeah that probably yeah that, that would have been it <laughs> shit crap you know it's it's funny hopefully it doesn't go like how it went for the braves um brian snicker said it was like at the first full capacity game for the braves uh was a lot like the last full capacity game for for the phrase that they <laughs> That's had exactly where, right. <laughs> where Mike Fultonevich um, gave up. Oh yeah. They gave up like 10 runs in the first inning or whatever. Anyways, that was yeah, kind of funny. Exactly. Exactly. So Hopefully let's see. Happen. The Braves had that wild card loss to the Cardinals and we had the Nick DeLeon <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah. Awesome. What we the hell were we doing in 2019? Juju here to break. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> man. They did not break it Friday night when I was there. They lost 12 to two. Thank yeah. you. Atlanta Braves. Awesome. Yeah. So glad. So glad. Atlanta United gets a point though. We'll talk more about it as we head to business time. Business time, Joe Patrick again, 1-1 draw on the road. The good news, though, and the news that everyone's been waiting for for a long, long time, uh, Joseph Martinez scores his first goal in 564 days. Thank you for reminding me that there was good news from this game because (laughs) it's like the first time I've heard about it. Uh, I feel like since he happened. No, it was awesome. And, you know, probably an underrated goal, just the way he took it, the way he scored it. I mean, left footed to kind of curl it into the uh, into the corner there nice little goal uh, not like a tap in or something that you would uh th- i mean that's the kind of goal that you can really build confidence with so great to see that yeah i think a lot of people maybe kind of backed off on how good it was just because ryan shawcross is shit because he was <laughs> yeah. just like standing there staring at joseph's pink hair not doing really anything you know but even if he does close down i think joseph makes that move so quickly that the shawcross was never going to get there and it was still going to the same spot haven't looked at it a couple of times of course joseph had a great quote after the game where yeah, he 
said. Amazing. Chicharito <laughs> scores bad goals and gets called a crack. I score. It's the defender's fault. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah. He was choking, guys. It was a bit. It was funny. I mean, he was, he was, he was obviously going to roast Ryan Shawcross anyway. Who was? I was just, <laughs> I really enjoyed watching Ryan Shawcross play in that game yesterday just because of the hilarity of it. There was one time he just wrestled he, Eric Lopez. Poor Eric Lopez. 19-year-old, beautiful Paraguayan boy and Ryan Shawcross is just <laughs> wrestling him down to the ground uh, like from the upper body it was like a rugby tackle or something it was crazy yeah no it, it's almost like just the absurdity of it makes it right an entertainment product it's like yeah. an obviously you know it's like oh okay that guy is is there doing doing pretty bad actually interesting and I didn't even know he was I didn't even know he was in MLS until like three days ago preparing <laughs> for this game so <laughs> even more fun Amazing. Amazing. Um, he doesn't really contribute a whole lot, but Inter-Miami does find plenty of chances throughout the day. I think the XG ended up somewhere around two to one. And again, a lot of it came from something very similar we saw against Philadelphia. And we've kind of continued to see this trend. And it's something that Brad Gazan called out immediately as something that needs to improve. There are so many giveaways in bad spots that the the general gist of, of a system like this, of a system that's modeled after a Bielsa system. We saw it with Tata. We've heard it from players who played defensively under Tata over and over again. You get put out on an island pretty regularly, right? And you can, you can make up for that and do pretty well defensively overall as a team, as long as you're not having to face transition moments that are coming from incredibly hard positions that give other teams massive numbers advantages, right? So when Atlanta Mm -hmm. United is giving the ball away and doing stupid things like Santiago Sosa, for every like a hundred things he does good to phenomenally, there's the one thing he does where you go, that was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen on a soccer field, I think. He's done that twice in a row now, but like back-to-back games, but has a terrible giveaway. Gonzalo Higuain should have scored, didn't. Gazanz gets a save, but it, but it happened a few times, and those transition moments are coming so easily and with such an advantage that that's where a lot of the really critical chances are coming for other teams, and until that gets sorted out, you know, people are going to continue to think the defense is doing badly. I don't think that's the case right now. Yeah, you know, I I do think it will be interesting to see how Gabriel Einze kind of evolves his own tactical style with this team and whether he's kind of malleable enough to be willing to do that because that was something that we saw from Tata Martino in his time was he kind of had to adjust honestly to the quality of player I think that is in this league and the fact that in this league there are going to be more giveaways like you're going to have more errant passes where the ball is you know it's like a hospital ball given away in the middle of the park and you have to be able to you know have a solid enough structure to to be able to cover for that and so that's why we saw Tata Martino transition from a 4-2-3-1 to a 3-5-2 in that second season to, to give himself a little bit of solidity and it meant that the team wasn't able to press as high up the field but they were able to still control games when they had to and uh, and obviously they had a better defensive record and um, you know right now I feels like Heinze is still in that period of time where he wants to you know really ingrain his philosophy and he's not going to be he's going to be very rigid in that and he's not going to really sacrifice anything and I think that that's why we're seeing him play the same players over and over again because those are probably just the players that he trusts the most uh, despite the fact that they're low on energy as he even mentioned after the game um, but I think that it's just something that well I wonder if he's ever going to back off that he seems like a manager who's still young in his career and is going and 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 wants to kind of impose this kind of style of soccer on other teams and on his own team too um, so I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see if he adjusts to that, because clearly, I mean, you can't kind of plan for every pass to be perfect and and for things to always go exactly how you're 
planning them on the chalkboard. Mm -hmm. You you can minimize it a little bit though, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some and some of these passes are just so hilariously errant that you kind of have to laugh sometimes. Like yeah. my goodness, there are a few that just are not even got dang close. And then you bring someone new on, you bring on a substitute, and here comes the substitute to, to really change the game and change the the outlook of things. And it just happens to be Alex to John, and Alex to John <laughs> takes God. That's as bad a free that, kick as I've ever seen. That was, and I, and I watched Iago Aspas take a corner <laughs> at Anfield in 2013. So you know, touche. Yeah, I mean that was one of those ones where it was like, what was the plan here? Like, what what was the <laughs> I can't not just the execution, but just. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like it was Dude, just like a I, it, was, it was like something you would see in like high school soccer where somebody just like goes up and like thwacks the ball and in, in into play like can I tell you what it it's really like foosball it. just like putting like just like dropping the ball in the middle of the pl in the park and let him did go you, after it did you ever play Wii golf yeah like on the Wii like sometimes you would do it and the controller wouldn't respond to what you're doing at all and so <laughs> yeah. like the shot would just go yeah. like completely out of the way Alex Dijon's Wii controller did not respond accordingly to whatever he was trying to do there yeah that, um, and that's the worst example actually no Santiago is the worst example where he gave away the ball one. to Iguani. that was the worst that was was he trying to like that he think he was going to get more power on that pass Santiago so because it was kind of backwards toward Guzan um he, not dissimilar from Barco's poor pass that led to Guzan's mm -hmm. red card in the first game um but it was like not even close it probably didn't even get 25 percent of the way to Guzan so I don't know what he was thinking he's done this a couple times where he has options in front of him and I think gets so maybe flustered and, and maybe just kind of loses whatever process he's supposed to be going through that he kind of makes two decisions at once. Mm, yeah. And instead of going either way, he goes in the middle of it and the middle of it is, of course, a, a forward. Right. Yeah. So he just kind of <laughs> chips it to a forward. And it's like, oh, God, now we're running. Yeah. Now we're running. Oh, no. And I don't want to be too harsh on Santiago Sosa, because like you said, I mean, it's like without him, you're not even able to generate mm -hmm. the kind of style of play that you want in general. Like he's so important to this team and he does uh, do the right thing. Ninety nine percent of the time It's funny. I think he was somebody I had to like when I'm doing my player ratings, I kind of like at halftime, I'll like write a bunch of notes and I'll kind of come up with, with like some preliminary numbers and then I'll kind of adjust as I in the second half. I think I had to like tick him down twice. <laughs> I think I had him as like a seven. <laughs> <laughs> around halftime uh, I don't even remember what I, what he finished at maybe it was a six but um yeah tough one but like you know I don't know I, I don't know what to say about this game because you know on the one hand I think of it's like if Joseph Martinez scores that goal in the 86th minute and LNA United gets a 1-1 draw we're probably all like oh yeah hell yes Joseph Martinez scored uh we we got a point on the road when we played poorly um you know this is that's fine like that's a good result you can be proud of but just you know it's game state like the way it all kind of came about with when you have an early lead in those kinds of conditions, you think that that's the to score an early goal like that is the best op time um, that puts you at the biggest advantage because Miami was having to do a lot of running in that game. Absolutely. And they mm -hmm. really were. They they worked hard to get that goal back and they really should have won the game. Um, so I don't know. I, it's hard for me. I'm still trying to wrap my head around how to kind of, you know, walk away from this game. But I, I think I'm just kind of hopeful that we see um, an improved team now that this congested part of the schedule done and they can get back on the training pitch get healthier get fitter and um, recover obviously and, and just have better legs under them because it really did seem 
like they were just kind of outworked in that second half. Yeah, by, by Lewis Morgan, especially Lewis Morgan was getting a high usage rate. And of course, then he gets the goal and everything like that. And shout out me because I said on the daily, don't worry about Higuain. Don't worry about the other ones. Worry about Lewis Morgan. He's going to hit us in transition. And then he kind of did. He kind of did pretty hard. I mean, you could see Atlanta, Atlanta looked tired as hell in that second. Yeah. Like they looked like the pl- like players in like specific individually just looked like <laughs> and then George I, Bello watching Santiago looked, Sosa was like painful to watch. Like, it was like how tired yeah. he looked out there. And George Bello looked tired from the jump. So, I mean, and he, you know. and he has every right to be, you know, like he's played yeah. almost every single minute at a high energy position. Um, and yeah, it's just like, you know, the team has Mikey Ambrose technically, but, you know, <laughs> is he really on the team if he never plays a minute? Like, I don't know. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where, again, oh. going, kind of going back to Heinze and people and players that he trusts, like, I, you know, hopefully over the course of the season, he can discover more of those guys. But who knows? Well, that's that's what we thought about Alex to John. And then he showed up out of nowhere to 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 make it a. a appearance here um so you never know i guess you never know with gabby but we we talked a bit about the style of the game and again atlanta a lot of possession um i think it was like almost nearly 70 percent you would have thought that would have killed things off with miami chasing so much and the florida heat didn't quite happen as atlanta gets more and more tired it um here's what i i kind of want to take away from it is that i think they keep adding more and more like good moments my more and more i mean like one a game like they're like adding (laughs) one One more good moment a game. For example, they had a transition moment and it nearly, nearly resulted in a goal because Marcelino Marino found Jake Mulraney on the penalty spot just about. And Jake, I think, kicked it off his face or something like that. It was not even close. I don't yeah, know what he did. I think really he blocked bad. his own shot. It was not it was great. Like a pure scuff. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe somewhat indicative of, of a thing we've been talking about with with talent. But, you know, we, we won't harp on that too much anymore. Well. Not to make I mean, anybody mad. You, you said something during the game. I can't remember if it was in the Discord or on Twitter or whatever, but I noticed I saw it and I agreed with it, which was that, you know, with this team, they they will have some good moments. Like obviously in, in build up, they're they're pretty they're solid. You can tell they're very well um, you know, it's like very well practiced, that whole all those routines. And sometimes they'll make a good transition mo- they'll have a good moment in transition where they're actually able to break through some lines, and then they'll get into this attacking phase where it's like the wingers and and Joseph right now the field and it's like they don't know what to do it's like they forget how to <laughs> how to how to how to attack or it's like a, maybe it's like a pure lack of confidence where it just seems like mm-hmm. especially Lopez and Mulraney it's like they're afraid to 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 express themselves essentially and 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 get forward and, and try to make something happen and attack like they need like they're waiting for somebody else to get involved that they can give the ball to and uh you just I, I you would just love to see more directness you know and it's something that Brooks Lennon talked about when we talked to him this week saying that like you know you know, some guys just need to have that kind of confidence to just go in and have a shot, you know? And I laughed because Brooks took a, like he took two touches one time inside the box yeah. and just thumped on from yeah. a tight angle. I went, oh, I okay, noticed that too. Yeah, I, I, I thought yeah, the exact okay. same thing. But, but I mean, but true, it's true. Like I was like, well, at least it's a shot, you know, at least it's like testing right. the goalkeeper. Absolutely. Uh, I, I didn't mind seeing it. And I think that that's why, um, you know, I think a lot of people, I, I'm kind of going to go off on a tangent here, but I'm curious about why that Alex DeJohn substitute happened. I think that he came in to hopefully defend on set pieces late in that game while Atlanta was still holding a lead when he came in. Of course, he kind of helped give that lead away like three minutes after coming on. Um, But one thing that it did when he came on at right back, Brooks Lennon went up and played right wing. And I thought that that was actually probably a good 
move to make. Um, maybe not the Alex to John part, but I did like having Brooks Lennon up on that right wing because he would just give you some sort of directness and kind of confidence going towards goal. It was very funny when that happened because on the MLSsoccer.com website, the mothership, they have the lineups and then they have like the substitutions you make and just they don't really like change it. Once you make those substitutions, they just switch the players out. So the front line was Franco Abaro, Cuba Torres and Alex to John on the website. <laughs> and I was like, man, yeah, this, this classic stacked you know, <laughs> yeah. front three, just a swarm of hornets coming after you, you know? Yeah. Um, but but you talked about those transition moments and drink every time I say transition. I apologize, but it, it's just such a big trend right now. And MLS, you see a lot of teams having success early in the season hitting in these moments. It's just kind of the general nature of what's happening around the league to the extent that a lot of teams are even playing uh, like a flat four four two almost or even a diamond or anything like that, just so they can get people making those those second level runs, everything like that. So when you look at Atlanta United trying to do something similar they will get the ball in a good spot they'll have a numbers advantage kind of right from the jump and then they'll kind of like lightly jog and no one will make a run in behind right and then they'll work the ball up probably not as fast as they should and then someone will get it on the wing and then someone whoever gets it on the wing will dribble sideways will go laterally for like a good five six touches and then let the defense reset and then they'll misplay a pass and then they repeat that right (laughs) and it's 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 so frustrating I'm really desperate for them to figure out that they can they can try things. Holy crap. It's it feels like, you know, what we need to do this team. It's like when the Mighty Ducks go and play the street hockey team. Yeah, 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 yeah. And realize that like, oh, there's like these cool things we can do, like a knuckle puck. And oh, this game is fun and everything like that. <laughs> we need to like take Atlanta United out to a vacant lot. That's right. Somewhere where like just a bunch of kids are playing with like a, a mini ball and like bare feet. Like and have the, them like, remember like how the, to have fun. Like the game that... um. Uh, Santiago Munez is playing in at the beginning of the goal movie where it's just like the pickup game in the in the dirt in the dusty uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. on the dusty field. Yeah. Where they use like like cardboard down in their um, socks as their shin guards. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly. the kind of, that's that's where you learn how to play for sure. Uh, exactly. You know, yeah. And I feel like those guys can do it. They just I don't know if it's a confidence I know, thing. That's or the thing. Maybe just, maybe they're just scared of Gabby. Have we considered? <laughs> well, <that>? not yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, I think <laughs> I think that, you know, this team. Well, we've talked to Bobby Boswell. We've talked to Michael Parkhurst about this. Jeff Lorenowitz. They've all kind of talked about uh, Granted, they're not playing for Gabriel Heinze, but I can I have to assume that it's kind of similar where training is all about build like working on the build up, working on these patterns, working on these these phases of play. And I feel almost like I or I just wonder if that's how they, the players in the attack still have that kind of mentality when the ball moves into that position where it's like they're still thinking way too mechanically about how things should happen instead of just making something happen when you have an opportunity to like go one-on-one against somebody when you've already had all this good play from the back to get you to that point like that's the time where you just got to kind of make something happen and I feel like you know again when you talk about the quality I feel like a guy like Eric Lopez like he's got that he's got technical ability like like we we've seen him you know he can he's got a decent first touch he can dribble um, but you know he'll just do things sometimes where it's like he'll drift inside and somebody will just come and pick the ball off him from the back he won't and he doesn't see it 
coming. And it's just like, oh, come on. Like, just move <laughs> move the ball. Like, just do something with it. That's like what it's like. Ah, so frustrating. That happened twice yesterday. Or yeah. someone just like, I, I, I said that it looked like Atlanta United's players looked like they had lost object permanence. Because they would turn around and it'd be like, okay, now no one exists behind me. And I <laughs> yeah, can dribble yes, freely. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so if I can't see amazing. them, they don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not the best thing to do is a weird lack of awareness at certain points. And that could probably go back to exhaustion because I remember it happened with George one time. Yeah. And again, George just looks shot. Um, but it, but it kind of brings me to something here. And I do want to talk about maybe maybe some positive aspects here. Right. And maybe what we can take away from this team is an understanding that this team as constructed for this year is a team that is probably going to do good to pretty pretty good with teams in the lower rungs Mm -hmm. of mls and not be able to compete with teams at the higher tier and essentially what that does is that puts you in a mid-level playoff spot right which is exactly what we said at the beginning of the year isn't it you know yep um the the way they're playing right now the the pace they're kind of at and theoretically it should improve right now but i I think everyone may just kind of have to be comfortable with okay this is a team that is gonna be like fifth sixth or seventh you know and that's just kind of what it is is this team kind of moves towards hopefully getting the roster right next year is that fair yeah i mean my really boring answer is or my like boring response to that is that like we still don't know what this team is yet because it's still so early you know they haven't had a lot of time to train on the training pitch you know they had obviously a long preseason period to train and kind of work on these tactics and ever and then as soon as preseason ended you're into game after game after game essentially uh where you're just kind of playing a game recovering a lot like what we saw with this team last year when they came back from mls's back under steven glass and like they weren't really able to ever improve on their you know on where they were both tactically or in the standings because they were just kind of in this cycle and so i feel like that's one thing i want to see from this team over the next month or so is to see if things change for the better if you know if some of this rest and recovery and implementation of more tactical concepts um do take root over over this time and i think that it was so i think that this will be an important month and kind of informing us on what this team is going to be um, you know, my feelings toward this team are still very optimistic over the long term. Like I just I and again, when I talk the long term, I'm talking about like a two year period through Gabriel Heinze's contract or the first phase of his contract. Um, and so I'm still very optimistic in that respect. I mean, I know people are upset because the team has what, five, four points or five, five points, five, five points, points mm-hmm. through four games or whatever it is, um, which is, you know, not which great. isn't bad. That's yeah. Columbus right now. It's That's middle of the other teams right yeah. now. I mean, it's but, middle, yeah, it's middle it East. Is. Yeah. So, I mean, and I don't think that this is going to continue. I think that things are only going to potentially improve for this team as they can adjust the roster in the transfer window. And then obviously as they get more time to play together. I don't know. I'd take five points from from four, the, the way they kind of have right now. Honestly, I would do. Um, I would. I would do. Considered in the grander scheme of things, I, but obviously, what we want from the team is for them to to be at the level that you know we've always indicated that, that this team is supposed to be at, considering mm-hmm. the resources, everything like that. Sure. So I think some people get caught up sometimes, like oh, they're being like so negative and everything like that. This is a good MLS team. Well. Like we want it to be a great MLS team, <laughs> yeah. you know, because so much of our sporting lives have been pain and this is supposed <laughs> to be the one that's not the pain. Right. Um, just to clarify. Yeah. Just to clarify there. It, it, Joe, any players um, stood out for you yesterday? Anything like that? Um, obviously, Joseph gets the goal and it's super encouraging to see him score, especially from 
the limited chances he honestly got. I think he had one other shot and it came off a deflection, uh, maybe. And oh, and then there was the the volley attempt as well. Those were not high percentage chances. None of those were high percentage chances yesterday. He still found a way to score, which is obviously going to open things up a little bit. Uh, I do worry about how often they're even going to find him in those chances, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. thinking about the goal, it looked very similar to the move Lopez made with him in Philadelphia, where for the first time it looked like they were willing to to play one twos to run yeah. in the box and everything yep. like that and, and link up right looks very very similar to that this time joseph instead of passing it back though said screw it i'll do it myself ryan shaw crosses guarding me and shot right mm-hmm. so it, that's encouraging for mm-hmm. sure yeah, right definitely and even joseph i do want to say too that joseph said he's not at 100 he's just not there yet yeah and y- you can tell a little bit that he's still hesitant to do things but but that's encouraging um anyone else kind of stand out to you as, as something maybe positive here yeah i'll i'll, I'll, I'll shout out two guys and two guys that honestly well one of them especially that we give a hard time a lot oh so before we do this is this our Lorenowitz man of the match we're about to talk about let's bring it back we should bring it back uh, you know, well, okay. If we're going Lorena Woods man of the match, I think we actually called him the man of the night. <laughs> Did we really? Yeah. <laughs> Which I always weird. thought was kind of sexy. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Man, man of the night. Yeah, the Lorena Woods man of the night. Um, <laughs> Brooks Lennon for me has been like really probably Atlanta's most consistent player throughout this season. And I just thought he was really good again yesterday. The energy is always impressive to me to just see how hard mm-hmm. he works throughout a game and and I, again, we talked about it earlier, but I was just so it was so refreshing to just see him play um, direct at times when it seemed like Atlanta just needed something to go start going offensively. So I want to give him a shout out. But I also want to give a shout out to a guy that we give a stick a lot, which is Emerson Hyman. I thought Hyman was awesome in this game. Uh, I think that he's honestly turning into a player who really gives you a lot going forward in those. So the way that a lot of these games work now with teams that want to press, you know, it's kind of like the modern style is like you have a lot of build up play at the back. Back that's just kind of between Sosa and the center backs and the fullbacks. And it kind of gets recycled a lot in that in that between those defenders. But then Heinemann is kind of one of those key players where it can flip, where it's like where Heinemann can receive the ball and like on a half turn and spin or something and, and make an attack happen like it's almost like a trigger point for that to start and I thought that he was really good at that at times um, and again he he works hard defensively too he doesn't have the greatest defensive instincts but he's still he, he he's starting to do a much more consistent job on that end and I just see him becoming more of a dynamic uh, offensive player from that kind of deeper number eight role Joe are you saying we found the Nagby replacement <laughs> Well, Santiago says so we'll, we'll, he's he's the okay. Nagby replacement, the true Nagby replacement. But. No, Emerson's um, work rate has been better. Emerson defensively has been better. Um, I would love to. I'm working on getting that that fancy second spectrum data that, that Matt Doyle and company are using uh, up at the mothership. They're, they're working on getting it to me as well. Ooh, but Emerson nice. Hyman's pressing numbers have been really, really solid so far. And I would love to continue to look at that and see how that continues to go. Because right now, frankly, something that Atlanta is missing and this make down to fatigue and fixture congestion and the lack of time on the training pitch to understand the patterns and the triggers and everything like that. But this team has not pressed. This yeah. team has not been no, a team they that really has, has killed teams with pressing. It has resulted in a team that does not get the ball in a lot of quality scenarios to to counter, you know, to to counter press and, and create things from where they pick up the ball. And even when they do, it's not like they do anything with it right now because, again, the whole running sideways thing. But, you know, it's it's something that I think will hopefully eventually take over. It was somewhat a 
characteristic of of the Velas teams, the, but the, maybe not a massive characteristic, but something that helps them, you know, and something that will help us when it happens. The only time I can really remember the press being noticeable was the, the really good period that the team had against Philadelphia Union for like that 55 minutes or whatever. Like that was a time where it was like they're all over them. And that's what you want to see over the course of 90 minutes, though, you know. And that's where the pressing stats were coming from that were so indicative of of Emerson being a crucial part of it. Yeah. He had a ton of them. Uh, Lissandro had a bunch, which was kind of surprising. Um, a few other folks were were pressing right through the middle and, and really attacking the the middle of that 4-4-2 diamond that Philadelphia is running. And that's what ended up creating the best half Atlanta's played in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, again, looking forward to this next month or so, I think that that's definitely something to look for with this team kind of getting more rejuvenated with some more rest and recovery time is do they up that pressing intensity during those games? Because I think that if they do, it will really help them in terms of what they want to do with the ball. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Joe, thoughts real quick. We, we talked about this team being tired. Thoughts on the substitutions or, or lack thereof yet again? I mean, you know, again, I kind of talked about the Alex DeJohn thing where I, I, I understand the reasoning behind why you make that move. Obvi- again, obviously it didn't work out. Um, Franco Barra, I think he's going to, he's just going to be a player who comes in as a sub pretty much in every game if he's not starting. He's just one of those kinds of players where he's got enough technical ability and he's kind of tenacious enough defensively where you'll have room for him to come in as a sub. And I have no problem with that. Uh, I didn't really notice him after he came on. I, I didn't really notice a lot of his actions, so I don't know. I couldn't tell you really how well he did or did not play. Uh, and then Kubo Torres is just the most like wet blanket kind of sub. Is Jackson dead? Uh, I don't know. It's we, so depressing, what to man. Jackson? It's a, and honestly, this was one of Kubo's. I thought it was one of Kubo's better uh, uh, sub, you know, sub sub performances. And I think that that says something. <laughs> uh, I mean, at least there was like a couple times where he held the ball up and was able to like pass it to somebody else. <laughs> just like the the most basic thing you can do in the game. But at least he was able to do it a few times. Uh, you would. Ju- yeah. I mean, I would just love to see Jackson Conway just to see what he can do. I would love to see Jackson Conway for the same reasons that I wanted to see Eric Lopez when he wasn't playing. <laughs> like, seriously, that's what it's like. You so, have you've, you've seen a glimpse of talent and you want to see more of it. You want to see what they might be able to provide. Well, folks, you heard Joe Patrick right there. Go ahead and start the save Jackson Conway campaign and attribute it all to Joe Patrick. There we go. And continue to beat that bit into the ground as much as possible. It's great. It's great. What's also great is you guys had plenty of questions. We'll get to those after this quick break. And before we get back into the show, did just want to shout out once again, our partners at Lucid FC for bringing you this episode of Five Stripe Final. They've got a new shop out um, in Buckhead. It's right behind the Whole Foods there. Uh, The address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest, if you want to write that down or Google it or whatever. But I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential, to say the least. These guys are really creative, and uh, I think that it will be more than just a a place to sell clothes. So that will be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at Lucid lucidfc.us they've got their new spring summer 2021 collection out now uh, which you can buy right now online called this is a modern world's really cool stuff the collection brings nostalgic psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle uh i've checked it out on on their shop it looks really cool the products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the lucid fc website that's where you get it uh they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra extra large and uh, price points from eight dollars to $380. So there's something in there for everybody. Uh, and it has just launched and it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, lucidfc.us and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some modern world clothes. 
What a break. What a break, Joe Patrick. Uh, what a time to be alive. What a time to, to answer listener questions. And we didn't have a ton here because I think everyone, again, we're, we're like we're, me, we're veering, was like checking out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're veering into that, that realm of. It was Analytical Mother's Day. Purgatory. It was Mother's Day. People had things to do. It was a Braves game. That's true. That's yeah. true. There were things. There were things. But again, we're, we're veering into analytical purgatory here where everything just kind of starts to sound the same. But we do have a couple questions to get to. And this <laughs> like one from Jacob. Analytical purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> this is um this is a long one from Jacob, but it's an interesting one. Yeah. Well, re- read one. the whole thing if you don't mind. We're going to read the whole question. thing. Let's do this. Um, this is Jacob from the Discord, by the way. You can join that Discord if you go to the Patreon. Jacob asks, the TV announcers kept referencing a conversation with Boca they had this week in which Boca said he doesn't want ATL's resurgence to be dependent on Joseph. Hmm. I was encouraged to hear that, but also confused when I watched Jake Mulraney flub a shot from point blank range and then Alex <laughs> DeYon and Cuba Torres subbed on. It doesn't feel like Boca has backed that statement with suitable goal scoring threats on the team outside of Joseph. It always feels like we're signing players for what we think they could be rather than what the data, i.e. someone like PT or Moreno, says they are. Example, it seems like we thought Moreno could be a producer of goals when he never really was that at Lanus. Same with Barco or vice versa with Tito. Boca's been able to hide from specific criticisms toward him, I feel like, since our inception. But if he's really mostly in charge of player acquisition, at what point should we really be concerned it's not been great for three seasons now? Wow. Jacob. <laughs> wow. He just went there. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. Went it's, there. A, it's something that we haven't really breached a lot on this show. And I think we can maybe explain ourselves a little bit for that in the sense that we don't know exactly how the chain of command works. Yeah. Right. If we did, we would let y'all know. We would let y'all know how and who to, to direct any anger at. Right. Um, but it, our understanding for the most part is that it is, of course, a collective process. That's Darren. That's Paul McDonough. That's formerly Lucy Rushton. Right. And the analytics side, that's all of them working together. Right. However, I, I do think Jacob makes a point that Boca's role has been described as the recruiter. Right. Like sure. we've jokingly called him the recruiting coordinator for this. Right. And if that is, in fact, his main function within this organization, I think there are valid criticisms to be made. Yeah. I mean, as I mean, as the technical director, it's just kind of assumed that whether or not you were directly responsible for certain signings, you know, you're the technical director. So you kind of have to take responsibility for the signings that do come in. Uh, And yeah, obviously there are going to be hits and misses. Um, And I do think that it is an interesting point where Jacob was talking about um, it feels like we're signing players for what they could be, what they what we think they could be, as opposed to maybe what they actually have shown what they are in the past. Um, I don't. I, I feel like it's still very early to judge some of these players. You know, they haven't even been here for a full year for almost all of them. Uh, even guy like Marcelino Moreno feels uh, he's probably been here longer than many of them, and he came late last season, so we still don't really know exactly who he is. But I mean, I do think there are kind of. You know, it's just it's it's still an open question, I feel like, with a lot of these players. Um, sure. And, you know, when you look at a guy like Eric Lopez, for example, or Marcelino Moreno, both let's let's just look at both those players because of the time they were signed. And we can put Jurgen Dam in this in this bucket as well. These players who were signed last year, I'm a little like there's a little bit of sp- suspicion in my head that's like, was this team like doing so poorly last year that maybe these were like panicky moves that the team felt like they had to bring in? I don't know. I. 
I, I don't know. But um, you guys, if that's the case, then, then that's extremely problematic because they were so clearly punting on last year. Yeah. Right. Like you can't you can't half ass that, you know, because it ends up turning into to now. Right. Where you kind of have a mixture of guys who maybe are good enough and maybe aren't. And well, and, and, and the punting part of it is kind of what makes me think like I, I wonder if, you know, when they get the miracle bid for pity <laughs> to, to buy him for 20 million dollars <laughs> and you have to sell for that amount. Um, do you feel a pressure as an or, as an organization to sign a designated player to like to sign Marcelino Moreno just because just because so so that it looks like you're ambitious and it looks like you're building for something. Um, And I'm not saying that Marcelino Moreno is a a good or bad sign. I don't know. Again, I I think it's an open book (laughs) at this point with all these players. I think it's too Mm -hmm. early to judge specifically. But, you know, I do think that just in general to address Jacob's question that, you know, are there criticisms of Carlos Bocanegra in the front office? We voiced our you know criticisms in the past many times about especially like in the middle of last year. Uh, So I do think that there are fair criticisms to make of the club, of course. Um, And I I just think, but I think it's an open book as to some of these specific players right now um, as to whether there are mistakes or, or whatever. In regards to player acquisition, of course we had Jeff on the show just a little bit ago and he was talking about how after the MLS cup year, everyone, you know, says, Hey, I'm doing these things just because this guy, why am I not making this amount of money? And obviously MLS cap rules restrict the, the guys you can keep. Um, but but what's fascinating mostly about that to me is that those were all guys they hit on. Like they hit on nearly everybody in the beginning. Yeah. And the, the only thing that really changed is Paul McDonough left for Inter Miami. But now Paul McDonough's back. And it, it still seems like we're maybe having still some of the the same kind of like maybe hesitancy to declare any of these guys pretty spectacular, except for Santiago, who again though we'll have to give full credit for that. That seems like a definite hit right yeah. now. Yeah, right? for sure. Um and so maybe that will become more apparent as as time goes on and they continue to add players into this rebuild but i don't know maybe sometimes maybe sometimes you just have a collective you know a collective year where you don't hit right like think about it in like terms of baseball like if you hit like 300 you know you're gonna have seven times where you don't mm-hmm. get on base out of 10 right mm-hmm. so if all of those seven happen at one time and you go over seven over that stretch like people are like oh he's doing terribly right you know mm-hmm. uh, but if maybe if you space those out it seems a little a little better right yeah um so maybe perhaps there's some some fallacy on our part for for looking at those and going okay they didn't hit for this stretch of time um that makes them bad that may not be the actual case if that makes sense yeah. i think that made sense and i think it yeah it does and i think that you know you have to judge the designated players more harshly and or judge them in terms of like whether they are were good or bad signing uh because of how important they are because of um you know the fact that you only get three of them so there's a big opportunity cost if you do miss on one um yeah. So that's just kind of the nature of it with the way that MLS is structured. I'm like, I'm less like I will take misses if they're on the low end. Like uh, who um, who was the Venezuelan left back? We have met a question later on. Uh, Jose, Jose, Hernandez. Jose, Jose Hernandez. Like you, you you sign a Jose Hernandez. He doesn't turn out. That's totally fine. Like that's a lot of ticket type sure. thing. You don't expect to hit those to hit, honestly. Uh, but for like a player like Ezekiel Barco, you know, you need someone like that to be productive. And I think that I honestly think that Barco has been generally productive and helpful for this team when he's been available. The he's problem healthy. with him is that he just hasn't been able to stay healthy basically through his entire Atlanta United career. So um, 
you know, it's just some that's just the way it breaks sometimes. But I think there will still be, you know, there will be plenty of time for us to continue to assess the situation. I think that it will be a very interesting offseason to see how this team does continue to shape the roster and how that Paul McDonough is in the fold. I don't think that we've really had the time yet for him to really make a big impact um, on the signings that have been made to this point. But I think that, you know, we'll start to see more and more of his impact as we progress throughout these uh, future transfer windows. Yeah, no, we totally understand the frustration. We understand that this team obviously is, is able and willing to spend a lot of money and it's frustrating to see other teams have more talent by doing less, right? Like I saw, I saw a couple of folks bring up Bezpachenko in Columbus, who's their GM right now. And it was Toronto's GM for the number of years that they were incredible and, and how he is doing so much less with so much more, more or less, less. Yeah. Right. You know, and I get why that's frustrating to see. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's not definitive for for this team. It's not definitive for this year, because, again, there there's still opportunities to make moves. There's still opportunities to, to pull folks in. I think I don't think this team is set yet. And I think if they believe it's set, then maybe then we could start having some serious conversations about the direction of, of the team in the front office. But there, there's still a little bit of time here for them to, to reconstruct this team and more of Gabby's image and reconstruct this team in more of an image that will be successful in MLS to the point where we want this team to be successful, right? Yep, Fair? I agree. All good? Yep. Jacob, good question, man. Next question comes from Bad at Time. Bob, who says, what's the supply-demand curve of things that are actually troubling with Sunday's performance versus saying they travel to a high noon game and a sweltering Miami after crashing out of CCL and playing six games in three weeks at the beginning of the season? Um, I don't think... I think we finally had a CCL team win the weekend after they played. It was Philadelphia against Chicago. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Let's see. Portland lost. Uh, Columbus did win. Columbus beat D.C. So we finally, finally got to the point at the very end of MLS's CCL run uh, where teams won on the weekend where they played. It hadn't happened until yeah, then. It's been a struggle you know? for all of them. It's been a yeah. struggle for all of them. Those are very good teams. Those are Columbus's and, and well, Toronto lost again, but <laughs> they they hired Chris Armis. So whose fault is that? God, Red Bulls beat Toronto. That really low key warms my heart. Yeah. Um, as <laughs> much is, as I hate nice. New York, but it's really funny. It's really funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think obviously, you know, Bob, we agree for the most part. I think hot hasn't had enough time to, to really get settled yet and everything like that. Be a little more worried down the road. Um, I, I I think there is a point you talk about the supply demand curve. I think there is a point where you can look at this team and go, okay, they're not as gifted as some of the other teams. I think that is fair. I think you understand that if you have been watching literally anyone else, but Atlanta United, um, shoot, man, go and watch um, highlights from sporting in Austin last night. They were making things happen that Atlanta United simply can't make happen mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that is very clear. And that is something that is not going to change changes when new players come in however as far as tactics as far as effort as far as pressing and everything like that that is something that you can say okay short rest hot not really gonna worry about it yeah yeah i mean i definitely think there are legitimate you know troubling things or concerning things about what you see from the team on the field for sure like i mean they're they're that's this team is still in its infancy in my opinion and that's why i'm just generally not that worried about it as as maybe contradictory as that might sound i'm not worried because it is so early in that i wouldn't expect expect this team to just 
you know, in their fifth game to be like firing on all cylinders and be this really like, you know, attacking potent team. Um, And I do think that, yeah, the conditions obviously have a lot to do with that as well. You know, so we're at some point on that curve. It's too early for me to really be thinking too much about I mean, too early, like too early in the morning for me to be thinking about slow uh, (laughs) supply and demand curves too specifically. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, obviously there are some things to be concerned about. And there's also the context of the game that just makes it difficult for a team like Atlanta. I do want to say that this is sounding a lot like the conversations we had at the Frank DeBoer beginning, right? Ooh, but here's yeah. here is what I'm going to say that's different about that is that while Joe was saying these things last time, I was thinking, nope, 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 team bad, team bad. <laughs> I am not thinking this. I'm not thinking that right now, right? Like, I, I think this team is still constructed um, why, in a well, way that will be fine feel, for the Why year. do you feel differently? But the biggest thing, I think, is the tactics, right? I, I, I feel differently about their um, the setup, the, the willingness to get forward, the willingness to create something interesting. Now they just kind of have to find the guys who can execute it, and then those guys have to find the confidence to do it. Um, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I agree with that. And just kind of back you up. I want to just give a shout out to uh, Will Laverne. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce your last name, Will. I apologize. But he wrote a great article for us on Dirty South Soccer. You guys probably have already read it. I imagine um, if you're plugged into Atlanta United and you're interested in this kind of stuff. But if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. But that really opened my eyes. Honestly, it made some things more clear when I just watched the game this weekend um, to be able to kind of recognize some of the patterns that Will talked about in that piece. And again, that's what does make me more more excited. Um, I will even admit that like this looks better than it did in, in under DeBoer in the early days because the the buildup play even under DeBoer, even though both teams are kind of a slow buildup phase, there's just a lot more activity and a lot more going on under in this Heinze system as opposed to what was happening with DeBoer. And I and I feel like you can see that it can blossom into a more potent offensive uh, attack um, in this system. Mm, it can, it can. It just needs a little bit more. Gosh, sometimes dudes are just sitting around, you know. Um, um, you would love to see a few more off-ball runs, and you would see love to see a little more uh, dynamism. It needs a little it. bit. I, it needs a little bit more Tito. <laughs> it does need a little bit more Tito. It needs a little bit more John Gallagher, who scored yeah. last night, and I lost my mind. Oh my god, it was it was a good play too. He made a good touch. He kind of went around some folks and then finished very very calmly. I really. I will never, ever understand. You can go back. I have receipts. Go back and listen to the show we did right after he traded. I went, seems bad. Seems like a bad idea. <laughs> you know, it still seems like a bad idea. Atlanta's scouting of those of the college players in those early drafts is incredible. Not only really, you, you, you look at the first round picks of Julian Gressel, Miles Robinson or Miles Robinson was actually taken before Gressel. And then John Gallagher the next year. That's three quality players there. That is. That is. That's impressive. It's impressive. I do want to point out something real quick. Uh, Doug posted this on Twitter, but it's from Matt Doyle's Sunday column on the mothership, which uses a lot of that second spectrum data. Um, and it's talking about Atlanta United off the ball. It says they're over the last two years. That's 26 teams last year, 27 teams this year. So what is that? 53 teams. Uh, Atlanta United are 32nd in off-ball attacking runs per 90 minutes and 45th in the average maximum speed of those runs. So they're maybe not moving off the ball as much as they should be. They're definitely not doing it at a pace that's going to cause pretty much any backline in this league issues. It's something to kind of keep in mind that the structure is there, right? Uh, but maybe a few more runs and maybe a couple folks that can actually break those lines uh, would be very, very helpful to this would also be very very helpful joe patrick if you were readily prepared to answer these questions because this is 
Rapid. Fire. Kurt Castle asks, how angry does Joseph have to get to make Jake scared enough to shoot straight? <laughs> um, maybe not as angry, but close to the anger level of Michael Jordan when he like punched somebody in training. Punched that Steve one. Kerr. Kerr. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. In the chest. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of I'm kind of wondering when that's going to happen. I think Joseph is hesitant to really freak out on anybody right now. He talked a lot about like appreciating life and appreciating his friends <laughs> yeah, or some yeah, shit yeah. after the Joseph, game. Joseph, what are you talking Whatever. about? You need to get pissed. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Um, so once he finally gets back to his normal self, you know, I think we'll see him get a little more frustrated. Um, can't use that ask. Has anyone seen Ronald Hernandez and Jose Hernandez in the same room together? It's starting to feel like more we did. Uh, we more like we did Aberdeen a favor taking him on than the other way around. Yeah, that's kind of ruined some of the conspiracy theories that we had about <laughs> yeah. that move yeah. you know um but he's been completely awol so far i don't know what's up and i forget does yeah. he is he an international i can't rem- i don't remember at this point in time it may not matter it'll be weird um, if he was but anyway yeah um sam asked what's the best scene in sister act two back in the habit joe i haven't seen sister act two only what sister act hell? one what oh what's his best scene in sister act oh, one then? i'm kidding i haven't seen either one <laughs> what <laughs> i'm really getting called out here yeah, you need I've, to do better here, my, Joe. My only, rem- my only memories of Sister Act is seeing the VHSs adorn the walls, you know, like at Blockbuster <laughs> when there was like, they, they had the little individual cartridges for all the different, or the little displays for every single individual VHS tape. Because it's a great family movie to watch on a Friday night and learn about how much you care about yourself and each other, Joe Patrick. Do better. Tony well, asks, uh, how uh, many... What, was your, what, was, what, what is the best scene? The best scene in Sister Act 2 is when Amal hits the high note during Go Happy Day. The best scene in Sister Act 1 is when the nuns come together to perform inside the church for the first time and do a wonderful version of Oh Maria. It's phenomenal. Ah, I love that. Love that song. Absolutely. Uh, Tony asks, uh, how many goals will our dude Joseph have to score to make it to the playoffs? It's a good Ooh. question. Because Josh Bagrianski was talking a little bit about how Joseph scoring is going to open up everything for this team. I don't necessarily agree that much. Um, I think it will help a little bit, but I still think you need the dudes. So I don't know. For us to make the playoffs, he had to score, what, like 28 in 2019 to get Atlanta as far as they did. I don't think he has that in him this year. So I don't know. I think I said 19. I'm sticking with 19. 19. I think that's doable. I think that can happen. Uh, Smurfy asks, who was the John trying to pass to? <laughs> um, he was trying to pass it to uh, Whoopi Goldberg was the first name I came up with because of Sister Act. <laughs> I don't know. Then that's the correct answer. And it's Caden. <laughs> it's Caden. One day you'll impress Whoopi, Alex. One day. And that was rapid fire. That was a Joe. disaster. Always. Always. And that's why we love it. That's why we love it. Joe, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, just, um, take it easy. Have a nice week, everybody. We'll, we'll see you with Anton walks. Hopefully this week, if we, if, if we still can't get them, then we'll get Felipe or somebody to come on and don't say it like that. We'll get Felipe. <laughs> I know. I'm Jeez, just, man. No, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have something for you guys, but, um, yeah, just, uh, have a great week. Uh, hundred percent capacity. Yes. This weekend, yeah. Folks, I'm looking forward excited. to it. Get excited. Uh, I, I probably walk around the Gulch at some point. It's been super fun at Braves with hundred percent capacity. How was it? You yeah. went there as a fan, right? How was that? I did. I did. It was fine. Uh, it was not 100% full. Yeah. Even if 100% of people bought tickets, uh, it was more like 80, 90%. Um, but, you know, I feel comfortable at this point, especially outside with, with uh, being vaccinated and everything like that, that I can go out there and, and comfortably not worry about myself or hurting someone or else. Or giving it to somebody. Point. Yeah. You yeah, know? for um, sure. So once that responsibility has been taken off me, I feel comfortable doing it. If you do not, that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person. You don't have to show up to these things. And that's totally, totally fine. Yep. I respect that 
decision. Um, and if you want to, I respect that decision too. It seems kind of fun. Um, yeah. So I'll probably be there walking around the gulch before the game. Say, Hey, if you see me, uh, maybe don't give me too much alcohol, but maybe like a little alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it'll be good. It'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Anything else? Uh, no, I might join you in on that alcohol though. Well, just, uh, enough Ooh. so that they can't smell it on our, yeah, it's not like coming, done out, this of your, before, coming out of your pores when you get we'll inside. It, yeah. I will admit to, to maybe taking it's like, a couple drinks. Ooh, it's, a, it's very quiet in the press box. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why are you yelling, Sam? <laughs> why are you talking about sister act two in the press box, Sam? That'll do it. Let's get out of here. Have a good week. Bye. Y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content.